Hey, chiropractors, welcome to Modern Chiropractic Mastery with your host, Dr. Kevin Christie, where we discuss the latest in marketing, business, and professional growth with some of the leading experts in the industry. All right, welcome to this week's episode. Today, I have another great interview, and this is with Dr. Aaron Ducat. And we're going to discuss the cash practice, everything from maybe retrofitting your practice that's insurance-based into cash or starting cash or dropping some insurances. We really dive into the uh, nuances of a cash practice. You know, we're not here to say that having an insurance-based practice is, is wrong. You know, honestly, it's so state-dependent. There's so many other variables, and you'll hear Dr. Ducat mention a few for her, and I mentioned a few for myself, but um, it's really um, a personal or in professional decision on why you would do it, and there's a lot of variables, and we really try to tease out some of those. And then if you get to that point where you say, you know what, this is a, something I want to do or pursue, having the confidence to do it, and, in, and then really how to do it. And, and Dr. Ducat has been really helping out a lot of chiropractors with that. And so uh, we discuss a lot of the different moving parts of a cash practice in this interview. But before we get to that, I want to mention we are still doing our marketing contest. And again, the goal of this is to get some really great ideas out there. So if you can email me, Kevin at modern-jockey.com and share your best or most successful marketing campaign, I will then do a an anonymous poll in the Facebook group to vote on it. And the winner will get a free year subscription of RRS education, which is uh, what we do to keep up with the latest research for our practice. And it's a great platform that Dr. Sean Thistle has. And he's been kind enough to donate that for this campaign of getting some really good ideas out there. And, and that way we can share those with you. So if you have a great strategy or tactic or um, campaign that you've run, please email me, let me know so we can get that out to the masses and start uh, helping other chiropractors with some good marketing campaigns. All right. Um, so here's my interview with Dr. Aaron Ducat. All right. Welcome to the show, Dr. Ducat. I really appreciate your time and taking this uh, opportunity to discuss the cash practice and everything that is involved in that. I think there's a lot of misconceptions around it and we're going to try to answer as many of those as, as we can. Uh, but before we do that, tell us a little bit about yourself personally and professionally, and we'll go from there. Sure. And uh, thanks for, for having me here on your podcast. Um, I'm a chiropractor. I have been practicing, I graduated from National actually back in 2006, and I've been practicing full-time pretty much ever, ever since then. Um, I practice here in su suburban Chicago. I always like to clarify, I don't, I don't practice in the city of Chicago. I'm out here in the, in the suburbs. And um, my, my professional background is I do a lot of sports rehab, um, orthopedics, and then I actually have a side specialty in women's health and pelvic floor rehab, which is um, something I've gotten into here in the last couple of years. Um, I have a diplomate, uh, orthopedic diplomate, um, a rehab diplomate, and then I'm a CCSP. Never got the diplomate for the sports, but uh, definitely a nerd and, and love, I love to, to learn. Um, more recently here in the last couple of years, I've done some more, some more teaching, both actually I've taught on, on billing and coding before. Um, and I know we're talking about cash practice, but there's a lot of correlation between billing and coding and cash practice. Um, and then some clinical topics. So 
Um, and I'm really active here in the Illinois Chiropractic Society. That's something I love to give back to the profession. And I'm excited that we're actually going to start meeting here in person, some of the conventions in here, here in 2022. So it'd be good to see everybody again. Yeah, I'll be in Chicago next week for my strategic coach meeting. So it'd be the first oh, time. Awesome. Yeah, first time we're back in person since COVID. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, so it sounds like you have spent many years after chiropractic school and getting the diplomates and stuff. That's, I didn't know that. That's exciting. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad I did it right away. Um, I feel like your brain's still in that, that learning mode. So if you're thinking about, you know, I always tell people, if you're thinking about getting some additional education, just hop right onto that. Mm -hmm. That Never get out of that student mode. And it, it's a lot easier than trying to get back into it. And especially if you have kids and family. Um, I've got two kids. Um, I have two sons. They're, they're eight and a half and 10 and a half. And I'm at baseball fields, basketball practices and things like that now. Yeah. So it's difficult to do a, re, uh, a diplomate program at this point, but do it when well, well, you know, it's funny because I remember I, I graduated in 05. So we're about the same time frame, And uh, I spent a lot of time those first four years after graduating on the clinical certification side of things. And I had had this, uh, Thing. I wanted to get my diplomate in sports uh, by age 30. But then what ended up happening was I opened up my own practice at age 30 and everything hit me with trying to grow that. And I just kind of put it on the back burner and ended up not getting to it, like you said. So I, it definitely helps to get it done early or maybe late after the kids are out of the house, right? <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Supposedly they say there, there comes a point in time where they want, the kids want nothing to do with you and you'll have plenty of time to, yeah. to go back and work on either on your practice or, or, or get some additional education for sure. Definitely. Definitely. So let's uh, dive right in. And I, I want to come out of the gates with just a, a simple question, but maybe doesn't have a simple answer for everybody, but what exactly is a cash practice? Well, you know, that, that it's a great question, and that can mean a variety of things depending on who you're talking to. So I think that's why there's a lot of confusion about cash practice. Uh, first of all, cash practice doesn't necessarily mean that all you accept is cash. You know, you might credit cards, you might accept checks. But um, I think what people are trying to say when they say cash practice, it's, it's a practice. Mm -hmm. So instead of a patient using their insurance coverage to pay for your services, and they might just pay their copay or deductible or whatever the case may be, that the patient's literally paying the entire bill for your services. Mm -hmm. And that patient might choose to then go submit to their insurance company for out-of-network reimbursement, but you're not getting in between the patient and then the insurance company at that point. You're, you're dealing directly with the patient's a direct direct pay service. Yeah. So if you're a practice, that, yeah, there's other practices that are out of network with insurances, but do all the billing for that, that would technically not be a cash practice. Is that correct? Well, I mean, if you're accepting assignments mm -hmm. for the out of network insurance, I, I would contend that that's really not fully a cash practice because you are still getting in between the patient and their insurance. And you're accepting assignment, you're waiting to get paid and, and kind of wait for, for things to get hashed out. And then you're, you're balance billing the patient, right? At least you're not bound by network rates or other network restrictions, but you're still, you're still wrestling with that insurance company. Most cash practices, what, what they're doing is, um, you know, you have a, a set fee for your service. You're billing that to the patient, the patient pays, 
And then you're usually supplying a detailed receipt or a, they call it a super bill to the patient. And then they can then send that into their insurance carrier and then receive reimbursement that way. Perfect. And then where does Medicare fall into the cash practice? That's where things get a little dicey. <laughs> right out of the gate. It's going to hit you with a hard one. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, so Medicare, you know, as a chiropractor, we don't have the ability out of Medicare, right? So if you're going to be seeing a Medicare patient and you're going to be rendering a Medicare covered service, which for us chiropractors right now is the chiropractic adjustment when medically necessary, um, you have to be either registered as a participating provider with Medicare or a non-participating provider with Medicare. Um, the, the difference there is participating is kind of like being a network, right? With Medicare, you're accepting their, their rates, you're accepting assignments, um, you have to send a claim into Medicare, they're gonna pay you a certain amount and then they're gonna forward those claims over to the patient's supplementary carrier if they have it. And then you're gonna receive a little bit from them and then you'd be balanced billing the patient for any non-Medicare covered services. So like examinations, physical therapy, acupuncture, things like that. Non-PAR, um, you're actually, you have a choice of either accepting assignment for the patient and sending the commitment or not. I mean, you can just, um, you cannot accept assignment and have the patient pay you directly. You can send the claim in, but then the Medicare is gonna reimburse the patient. So you're kind of staying out of that circle a little bit, but you're still, bound by their limiting charges. So they have fee schedules and it will vary depending on what part of the country you're in. So you have to really do your research and look that up, see what your limiting charges that you can charge those patients, even if you're non-par. And then you're still bound by all the same documentation and regulations with Medicare. Mm -hmm. So um, since, you know, over the years here, I've transitioned to cash practice. I used to be actually an insurance, fully insurance-based practice, and I've transitioned out of that. Um, and as I've counseled other, other uh, doctors to make that same transition, uh, one of the things I have found that's easier is to stay participating with Medicare because you're still bound by all those billing rules. It's much easier. And it's just basically three codes Medicare covers for chiropractors anyway. The rest of it's catch practice. It's actually easier for us to stay as it is right now in network or participating with Medicare. Yeah. And that's what we've done. And, and we've also not been afraid to charge our Medicare patients because we we're certified in active release technique. And when we do that, uh, we, we do it, you know, we, oh, we yeah. charge them for that. Yeah. So for sure. I mean, I think it, I think it's, you know, it's a violation of federal law not to, not to charge those Medicare patients for services that are not covered mm -hmm. by Medicare. So um, I'm not certified in ERT, but I'm certified in grass and techniques. So I do the same thing if I'm doing grass and on one of those patients that I charge them for it. They do a ton of rehab. So the minute we start doing rehab exercises, that's also another cash service or acupuncture, massage, you name it. Yep. But uh, yeah, everything outside that adjustment is automatically cash, cash basis for those patients too. Perfect. Now, one other question on insurance that's not private insurance would be say auto accident insurance, right? So sure. do you have some people that are cash practice, but still do get in the middle of the auto insurance situation? Some do, some don't. And it depends probably on your state too and, and what the laws are and and how, how do I say this? How generous the, the auto coverage is in your state, right? Mm -hmm. Um. Personally, in my cash practice, what the decision I made was I would no longer accept any like third party um, car accident cases, 
actually won't accept uh, pa car accident patients that aren't current or established patients of mine. Yep. Uh, kind of select, hand, hand pick, you know, I, I, and what I do is I will just use their medical payments. Um, that's the only type of case I'll take. And if that doesn't work for that patient, then they can always be just a traditional cash pay patient, pay me, and then I'd be happy to give them the records and the receipts, and then they can wait till the settlement settlement happens and then get reimbursed then. And you said it a couple of times. Decision I made. Yeah, you said it a couple of times, and I think it's something to, to really make sure that our audience understands is that you can always give your patients the super bills and they can handle it and bill out of network, you know, benefits, or like you said, Medicare, if you're non-par, or in this case, the auto insurance, you can always give them that. It's not that hard. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in fact, um, at least here in this state of Illinois, it's because um, that's where I practice. It's actually required by uh, my, my licensure to give a super bill. So if a patient asks for a super bill or a detailed statement of charges, I have to give it to them. So that's one thing that you really want to think long and hard about how you, when you structure your cash practice is that you still have to itemize things out by CPT code. You still have to diagnose your patient, put those codes on there, and you still have to have a standardized fee schedule um, so that you can stay, stay legal. And then also, I think your patients are appreciated too, because then they can get reimbursement if they want to from, from their insurance companies. All right, docs, here is a new opportunity for you from Darcy Sullivan of Propel. She is our SEO specialist in helping out many chiropractors uh, with their search engine optimization and making sure Google is finding you and getting you new patients. It's amazing how many new patients chiropractors can get and are getting when they do uh, the SEO right and a few other things. And Darcy is offering a free SEO workshop just for chiropractors, and you can sign up for that at bit.ly bit.ly slash propel mcm that is bit.ly bit.ly propel mcm modern chiropractic marketing right and so check out that link and we're going to have you go over five seo secrets to owning the first page of google uh, without buying ads and darcy's going to give that free workshop one hour to really help grow your practice and start churning new patients from the ever mighty Google, which is still king in the online marketing. So check that out at bit.ly slash propel MCM for the one hour free workshop. Hey doc, are you moving office spaces or you're a startup with your own new space or you're like me where you need renovations because it's starting to look a little worn after about 10 years like ours is? Um, Crossfields Chiropractic Office Design is here to elevate you wherever you're at and they're going to help maximize your space and flow. They're going to really help attract and retain patients and this is going to have a great ROI on your investment when you increase that patient experience. So check out Chiropractic office designs by Crossfields. And we have a special link for modern chiropractic marketing listeners. And that is www.chiropracticofficedesign.com slash Kevin dash Christie. And with that, you're going to have discounts. We're going to have direct links to a mega bundle of free resources, and you can check them out and you can get 15 of our most popular floor plans, five phase checklist for a startup office, five point designer checklist to evaluate your current office image and there's 30% off on all online products when you go to www.chiropracticofficedesign.com slash Kevin-Christie. 
Definitely. Perfect. So you mentioned that you were in network with insurances. What was the determining factors to go from in network provider or contracted provider into cash practice? Sure. Yeah. So I, I originally started practicing and as an associate, um, like, like most of us, right. Mm-hmm. And, um, about a year, year in or so, I really wanted to add more rehab services. And that wasn't part of the model of, of the practice I was at. So the doctor I worked for, he suggested I start my own practice. And so I did. Um, it happened to be the spring of 2008, though. Oh, so I, I remember was, that. Yeah. 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 Beginning of practice in a recession. Yeah. And, uh, you know, pretty much opened it up on a credit card convenience check, which looking back was not the smartest business move, but thank God, you know, it's through. Um, and so as a result, I was like, oh my gosh, I need to get as many bodies through the door as possible. So I immediately hopped into network with every single insurance network I could, I could find. I remember kind of scouring the, the web. Yeah. So I network with it all. And, um, and at the time, you know, that model really did, did serve me well because it was bodies coming into the office. I got my name out there. I was a I was adjusting, I was rehabbing. This was good. Money was coming in. Um, but I started to notice kind of as the years went on that, man, this insurance company that was paying, you know, just to imagine over here, $50 for a service, all of a sudden was paying me 40 and then 30. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm having to see more, and more patients mm-hmm. to basically bring home the same amount of money. And then I was having to hire more staff. At that time, I had, um, you know, a couple of front desk assistants, I had a couple of full-time rehab assistants, and they weren't cheap to get a skilled provider. And in order to increase the volume, I had to get hire more of them. And that was increasing them my bottom line. Mm-hmm. So I just, I, I'm a numbers person. I sat down and I ran the numbers and I'm like, okay, this doesn't, this is, doesn't sense. We're not going to make a go of it. So um, what I did is I found kind of like what, whatever my low hanging fruit where I'm like, all right, these couple of insurance companies, they asked me to send so much paperwork in, they pay me the least. We're going to drop out a network with them first. Mm-hmm. So I looked up the contracts and, and that's exactly what we did. And, you know, that even though they were smaller percentages of my practice, that was a really scary thing for me to do. Um, and as I work with chiropractors that are transitioning to cash, fear is like the biggest, mm-hmm. biggest thing we have to work through because you're like, oh my gosh, is the patient going to get angry with me? And um, is it going to be like crickets in here and no one shows up as soon as I drop out of a network? Are they going to think I'm greedy? You know, all these things are going through your mind. But I, you know, I took that leap of faith and I, I dropped a couple of companies. And you know, we had a temporary decrease in volume, you know? But within a month or two, it was right back to, you know, our normal levels and we were actually more profitable. Yeah. So that was encouraging. So then as time went on, you know, insurance usually doesn't pay more, they pay less. Yeah. So this process kind of kept occurring. We're like, well, we're going to have to drop so-and-so. And then we would go through the same process again, a little dip in volume, and then we would recover. And then finally, we got down to the point where we were just in network with a major insurance company here in Illinois and then Medicare. And um, that insurance company 
started changing things. They, they sent out some new medical policies, what you can do, what you can't do. They weren't covering adjustments on the same day we would do examinations. And I felt like my hands were tied. I just couldn't treat my patients the way I needed to treat them, the way they deserve to be treated. And that was kind of the final straw. I remember one night I just had it and I told my husband, I'm like, I'm dropping out. And he's like, he's like, I have told you to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I was just so scared. No one ever dropped out of this insurance company. Never, no one ever heard of anyone doing that in Illinois. Um, but I made that leap and did a lot of research and actually found a couple of their colleagues that were doing the same thing at the exact same time. So there must've been something in the water right around then. And um, yeah, and I've never looked back. Um, it totally changed my practice, changed the way that I looked at things. Um, improved the quality of care, improved profitability, and I survived. It's been over two years now. There you go. Yeah, you know, very similar for me. I, I opened up my own practice in 2010, and I was in network with uh, three of the main four here down in Florida, and um, it was good. You know, I started, started getting patients in. It, it was nice, but then we hit that point, like you said, where it got ridiculous, and, and down here, we got hammered hard by ash. Um, and the first one was Cigna in 2013. And so I dropped them. And I remember saying, if any insurance ever goes ash, uh, I'm dropping them. You know, uh, the one before the one that I never was in network with was United healthcare because they were, um, I forget what it was, but it was like $40 visit. Right. And it's just like, I'm down in South Florida. We have a high cost of living, high cost of running a business. I, I couldn't do what I wanted to do with rehab and soft tissue and adjustment for, for $40. So I had never gone in network with them. And I noticed when I dropped the one, I was like, Oh, it's not that bad. You know, it creates a little bit of a vacuum, you know, and, and then it gets filled and then you go to the next one. And I like how you mentioned, like, look at the ones that are the worst and get rid of that one first, digest that and then move on to the, to the next one potentially. Right. For sure. And you know, you kind of, you figure out what type of communication works best with your patient base, what to do, what not to do. And if you're starting with some of those smaller companies, mm-hmm. mess up, well, it's only 5% of your practice, right? Versus let's say, let's take ash, for instance, you mm-hmm. know, this is 80% ash and you, you tackle them as your first, your first, uh, um, battle, so to speak, mm-hmm. mess up with 80%. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you'll probably eventually recover, but that that that's going to be a much harder battle than mm-hmm. smaller fish for sure. And um, ironically, Ash was the first one uh, that that I cut out initially because um, Illinois we we didn't have Ash, and then all of a sudden Ash came to town. And I'm like, all right, I'll, they sent me nice you know nice letters and things. I'll stick with them, and and then I soon realized, oh man, this this isn't working for my practice for my patients. So. Yeah. It is brutal for sure. Um, I want to take two types of chiropractors. You know, we've kind of focused on what you and I have gone through. We both are obviously similar in years of experience and, 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 and kind of a similar story. Um, but then the other flip side is the new graduate, the new chiropractor, the new business owner that is going to be starting their practice uh, from scratch. Um, do you recommend for them? And I know it's hard to say yes or no, or give any absolutes, but, um, do you think it's easier to start in network, build a practice and then take it away? Or should they just come out of the gates and go cash if they're wanting to become that at some point anyway, a cash practice? You know, it's definitely a case by case basis. Yeah. Kind of um, 
And I think a lot of it too has to do with what, with whatever model you want for your office and what mm-hmm. your overhead looks like. Um, like I said, I'm a numbers person. So as I, as I do coach uh, chiropractors and determine whether they want to transition to cash, you know, crunching the numbers, finding out what your overhead is, how much it costs for you to render a patient visit, you know, those are all really important things to keep in mind. And I think for a new pr- practitioner, even though you're kind of starting from scratch, it's still important. You can't be taking patients um, that are going to be paying you less than it costs you to deliver that adjustment, right? Yeah. yeah. So, and then if you're in an area where, you know, let's say you do have an ASH issue, um, or United Healthcare issue, um, you know, you, you may decide that, Hey, I can't get network with them and they can't get the lights on. Now on the flip side, um, you might start out, you're like, Hey, I just want to get bodies into the door. Just kind of like I started out. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if I were to do it again, cause yeah, that's usually what people ask you, like, Oh, if you're going to do it again, Aaron, what, what would you do? I, I would actually start out cash practice yeah. for, for a couple of reasons, you know, profitability wise, you're making, you're making more per patient encounter, um, which from a business perspective makes sense. Number two, you have a greater range of clinical skills that you can use with your patients because you're not bound by those networks. Mm -hmm. I feel like that really defines um, you as a provider, especially early on. So if you want to get into some um, more specialty techniques. If you want to do rehab with your patients, being a cash-based practice is really going to help you be able to, to offer those services to your patients. Yeah. And you touch on it a little bit. Uh, and you mentioned profit. I, I love this little quote from uh, Wes Guype. It says, uh, volume is vanity. Profit is sanity. Cash is reality. And, and that's for me is summed up the difference between my practice now and my practice before where I think a lot of times as chiropractors, we, we do get hung up on volume, right? Everybody talks about, Oh, how many office visits you've seen a week? How many new patients? Like it's a, it's a, it's, it seems to be a volume conversation, right? Or it's a collections conversation, right? It's like, Oh, you know, collecting $50,000 a month and stuff like that. You have no idea what the profit is. Right. And, and that's the, the big difference where, you could find yourself in a scenario where, yeah, maybe your top line revenue as a cash practice might be a little bit lower, but your bottom line is better because like you said, you need all this staff and all this stuff and and billing costs and everything that go along with being an in-network provider that you don't have to do. You know, like I've always kind of used numbers. I looked at it in my practice. I'm I'm always uh, open and, and candid on things, but, um, if I see 125 office visits a week, as we are now as cash and in a pretty high cash rate, um, I would almost have to see about 175 to 200 a week if I was in network provider to make the same collections like top line revenue, right? But for me to service that many people in a week, I would need to add CAs to my staff, right? To, to, to be able to handle that. And so that's going to really obviously chip away at the margin of it. And so we got to get away from the, the volume conversation all the time. Do you, do you find that something that almost from a psychological standpoint, when you're working with chiropractors in this uh, cash practice thing is they got to throw away some of their old mindsets on, on volume or uh, top line versus bottom line and all that type of stuff. Oh, for sure. And, you know, even myself, I think that was part of the 
the psychological fear, right? I, you know, I'm a typical type A personality. Um, I like to win and I mm -hmm. love numbers and we would track our stats and I felt like a million bucks where we would see, you know, hey, we saw 127 patient visits this week. Go, you know, go team. But then you're right. You know, there's a difference between, okay, there's that number. But then when you look after all the bills are paid, yeah. the size of my paycheck, you know, yeah. <laughs> home sometimes isn't that great. And I guess what did help me was, well, a couple of things. First of all, physically, my body was telling me I couldn't sustain the volume. Yeah. Um, and part of that was having two children. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I only took four weeks off from maternity leave with both. And looking back, that was really quite crazy. But that was all I could afford. Even though yeah. I had a doctor, I had to get back in the saddle. We, we had to keep this machine running. Uh, we were insurance-based at that point. And, um, but, you know, being up all night with a baby and then physically just as a female chiropractor recovering from all that, you know, my, it, it took a toll on my body. Um, and then later on, I was actually diagnosed with a couple of chronic autoimmune conditions, which again, I'm like, okay, the body is telling me I need to slow. So I, I guess I was almost forced into understanding that volume isn't everything. Yeah, uh, there, there is definitely qu quality over quantity, you know, is a valid, valid argument here. And then as, as I did transition to cash, my, my staff shrunk and, and, you know, that kind of hurt my ego a little bit in a way, the conventions and stuff, you know, I'd, I'd bring them along and be like, yeah, look at all my people, you know, we're coming as a group to this, you know, and, and it was a good feeling, you know, to have that team atmosphere, but you know, it really was, it was my ego. Mm -hmm. um, at that point. And I realized that that really wasn't serving me and it wasn't serving my patients the best way either. So um, as I did transition to cash, volume went down, but quality went up. And then I was actually able to connect more with my patients. And I find that um, that's very, very fulfilling as well. And it's not that I let them, you know, chit chat for an hour for an adjustment, you know, because that doesn't make any sense either. Mm -hmm. But I'm able to be more interactive with them and then they're getting better care. And actually, ironically, my, my patient visits for like an active care case went down once I started doing all the rehab and everything like that because we were able to change things on the fly and that, that quality of care to go up. Yeah. So that, that kind of helped, mm -hmm. helped my ego a little bit and helped me feel better about that transition. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. There's a, there's a lot of different dynamics to it. Obviously if our audience is listening and they're in the States, uh, every state is different, right? Like there are still some States where insurance is paying very well. Uh, this podcast you and I are doing today is not meant to say you got to go from insurance to cash, but if you're, if you're do if you're crunching those numbers and you're doing the, an the analytics, like you're talking about, and you've come to that conclusion that's what this podcast episode's about. That's what you're helping out people is like, okay, let's now make that leap of faith. There's obviously plenty of great chiropractors that are in network providers. Um, and there's some that aren't, you know, and so, but that's across the board. There's some cash, uh, cash practice chiropractors that aren't doing great care either. Right. So, um, it, our, our goal for this is to give you the confidence and a little bit of the understanding to, to make that leap if you decide to. For sure. You know, the situation I was in, you know, I'm, it got to the point with my insurance-based practice that I might've only seen the patient for five minutes, yeah. for, right? Because I was just a 
administering an adjustment. I had staff doing everything else. Um, and, and as a result, you know, I just wasn't able to have that direct contact with patients. But if you're in a state where, you know, they're paying you well enough that you can actually spend that time with your patient and deliver the type of care that you feel that patient needs, mm-hmm. absolutely, I would, I would use insurance because, you know, cash practice isn't all, you know, mm-hmm. all, you know, it's cracked up to be sometimes too, the challenges, mm-hmm. you're going to, you're going to grow a little bit more slowly because you're going to have more selective patient base to pick from. Um, but those patients that come in are going to be very highly motivated to get better yeah. and usually awesome active patients because they are investing in their care at this point. It's not someone else paying the bill. Um, yeah. It's, well, it's, it's on the line. I'm going to give a little bit of a marketing spin on things too, because I talk about the X, Y axis of marketing from Seth Godin and, you know, you got the vertical axis could be, uh, let's say on the bottom is non-expert and then on the top is expert. And again, this is in the eyes of the community and let's say enough people that would uh, consider you either an expert in something or not. And then the, the horizontal axis being, um, cheap on one end and on the other, uh, let's call it value, right? High value. Okay. And if you're in that bottom category where not enough people consider you an expert, that high value is going to flip to expensive, right? If you're a cash practice uh, or if you have high cash rates, right? People are going to, too many people are going to consider you expensive and not enough value versus if you do enough to position yourself as an expert in a community that will be high value, right? And so people will look for that and say, okay, yeah, I'll pay that because you're the expert and uh, I've got a strong referral or I saw the videos you were doing and, and it really looked like you knew what you were talking about and your practice is nice, like all that type of stuff. And so um, you can position yourself well enough to be able to handle this. It can be a little slower, like you said. And I think you and I kind of benefited where we position ourselves in the eyes of enough people as an expert in our community um, with the insurance-based practice and then took that away. So we had enough people that were like, oh yeah, I'll pay the cash rate, right? Um, and so th- those are a couple of things to take into consideration. And, and frankly, nowadays being a cash practice, it's almost, they're not paying that much more cash than what their deductible or copay is nowadays, right? Exactly. <laughs> is that what you're I mean, finding? Uh, totally. I mean, hey, personally, I, you know, I have, insurance, you know, healthcare insurance, mm-hmm. I have a $4,200 individual deductible. Yeah. So I'm thinking of anything that I'd ever need to see a chiropractor for, I doubt I'd be hitting a $4,200. Deductible. So that that's coming all out of my pocket anyway. Yeah. Um, so majority of my patients, they have plans very similar to mine. So they're like, Hey doc, it really doesn't matter. Um, they can still use their flex spending, their HSC. Mm-hmm balance, things like that, even if you're cash practice. So all, all that still kicks in. Um, but yeah, and it, you know, it depends too on how you want to structure your cash practice. I could see uh, a different type of a model than mine. Let's say if you did have an, a very efficient streamlined cash practice that wanted to be a little bit lower cost, but deliver some really quality care. I mean, if you had, you know, maybe you're sharing office space with another provider or just having a very simple, clean setup for your office. I mean, as long as you kept your overhead low, man, you, you could come up with a model where you might even be less expensive than the in-network doctor deductibles and the co-pays. 
um, just depending on how you decided to set up their practice. I happen to be in a more affluent suburb. And yep. so the patients here, they kind of expect a different level of service. So that's what we deliver. But, you know, I, I've often thought about that. If I were going to open up in a different location, hey, how, how would I structure it? How would, how would I make that happen? Um, and, and it definitely could be done. Yeah. And I, and I, it's a good topic to, you know, everybody's in different areas. You're in a fluent area. I'm in an affluent area. So I can handle having a higher cash rate, things like that. Uh, it's hard to do that in some towns, which I get. Um, I just implore chiropractors, no matter whether they're in network or, or cash is, is the math has to work. You know, I, I talk to too many chiropractors where they're, you know, they're spending 30 minutes with the patient and they're getting $50, right? So they're, they're, they're basically getting a hundred dollars an hour if they're booked up. And, and, and that might sound, you know, what happens, I think the mistake people make is uh, young chiropractors in particular, is they think to themselves, Oh, a hundred dollars an hour, that's good money, right? Like if you were a, a job person and you got paid a hundred dollars an hour, that would be good, right? Like, that'd be great but you're not a job person. You're, you're a business owner. And so you have, you do have overhead and a hundred dollars an hour, frankly, is what a massage therapist gets, right. Uh, or even a personal trainer. And you went to too much school and you're too skilled to be a hundred dollars an hour. So you got to make sure based on however, however much time you're spending with the patient and in what your reimbursement is, it's got to be higher than that. And you got to make that math work to, to do it. Otherwise it's going to be a real tough struggle to be, um, to have enough margin, right. To, to be able to grow that. Is that something that you, you chat with chiropractors as well about? Oh, for sure. And you know, when, when you're setting up a, a fee schedule for cash practice, because actually that it, I started a beta launch of a cash, a kind of a transition to cash practice course for chiropractors last year. And, and it, that was the biggest struggle I noticed for students in that course was how do I figure out my, my fee schedule? Because, you know, they'd had this fee schedule determined by these third parties this whole time. They never determined like what they should actually charge for things. Um, and actually what I did is I walked them through, like, let's actually even back out of the office. What is your home overhead? Yeah. And yeah. And for a young chiropractor, like, man, their student loans are mm. higher than I think definitely what I paid, but yeah. I'm sure you as well. Mm-hmm. Like you've got to factor in your student loans. Like, okay, that that's an overhead cost. Um, you know, what, what's your living expenses? What do you need to take home after tax? You know, don't, don't forget about taxes. That's- yeah. <laughs> and then extrapolate, okay, this is what my bottom line number is. This is what I need to take home. Then look at your overhead at the office. Mm-hmm. And then you can start getting an idea of what, it, what you actually need to charge, you know, per, per hour. Yeah. And then, okay, how long does it take me to adjust a patient? How long does it take me to do a new patient examination? Yeah. Do I take an hour just because that's what I've ever, I've done since school or maybe 40 minutes is sufficient. I can do a really quality exam in 40 minutes and keep it more cost-effective, you know? So then start evaluating how long is it actually taking me to do these different procedures and what the dollar amount looks like. And then how many hours a week do you want to work? I mean, yeah. Full time means different things to different people. You know, I, I, I guess there's some chiropractors out there that are treating patients 40 hours a week, but most mm-hmm. chiropractors, I would say, aren't actually doing patient care 40 hours a week. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty heavy load. That would be, yeah. Seems yeah, like 30, yeah. 30 hours is a typical, it seems like, give or take. Yep, give or take. Yeah. Um, so you had to factor that in and, you know, 
if you want to take time off, you know, factor that in too. You know, if you who takes vacations on a quarterly basis, that's probably just got to determine how you're going to put that into your fee schedule so you can actually take trips. Yeah. And so that's a margin has been something I've been kind of hammering a lot with and, and, uh, too many people don't understand what profit margin really is. And so they're just getting the time and reimbursement equation wrong. And so you got to really get that squared away and, and, and reverse engineer, like you just said, and which really helps out. So for sure. Perfect. What are any other potential pitfalls, uh, that someone could look out for by being a cash practice? Well, um, so when you say pitfalls, like it is you're converting into cash practice, some of the things that could go wrong. Yeah. Or even just starting out your own, like your new practice, you're going to open up your own practice. You're going to go cash. What are some things that you uh, want chiropractors to avoid the mistakes of? Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things I think you've already kind of touched on is you've got to be, you've got to be different somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, what's different for me is going to be different then what it's going to be different for you, but you can't be, you know, Joe Schmo, basic chiropractor. You've got to define uh, what, what your niche is and make sure you have a reason that, that a patient's going to come and use their money to, to yeah. pay for services at your office. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's probably one of the first things um, that I would advise. Um, second, don't think that if you go to, into a cash practice that you don't have to chart anymore or document or document. Mm-hmm like, you know, obviously the, the burden of paperwork goes down dramatically because you're not, you know, not worried about audits and, and uh, filling out these, these forms for insurance companies, but you still have a duty to care for your patients. Mm-hmm. So you've got to make sure, you know, you're doing your orthopedic testing, you're taking a proper history um, and you want all that stuff documented for malpractice reasons, of course, but then also so your patients can get reimbursement too. So Yes, you still have to chart as a practice, unfortunately. I wish you didn't, but yes, we, we still have to chart. And then probably the last thing, and, and this was a big, a big hangup too uh, in my course um, with some of the students was you're going to, as you're preparing to make this change, like your, your gut reaction is just to do like this blanket mailing or email or big giant sign in your office saying, hey, we are out of network as of this day. Um, but really the, the best way to communicate is on a one-to-one basis with your patients. Yeah. And be a, be a person, tell them, tell them clinically why you're making the change. Tell them you know, why this is important to them and how it's gonna make their life better. Mm-hmm. And then cater and answer those questions, you know, cater to, to their needs, you know, yeah. it's easier and more efficient to, to kind of put out that blanket statement, um, really when you do transition, or if you are a cash practice, and you're just starting out, you know, telling the patient, Hey, you know, I do things a little differently at my office, uh, mm-hmm. you know, my network provider, so I can offer X, Y service to you, or, you know, you, you can come up with whatever your unique uh, selling point is. But really customizing that, not doing one of those blanket uh, mailings is, is highly advised. That's, that's a huge pitfall. Yeah, no, it's definitely something that um, we avoided. We, we definitely wanted to have the conversation. I wasn't afraid to have the conversation and they appreciate it. You know, they, they really did. So, 
Yeah. You know, some of my patients too, it's really surprising. They're like, yo, yeah, doc, I can't believe you haven't done this before. You know, yeah. they, they would see their, their EOBs come back from the insurance company. You know, you charge a hundred dollars for something and it gets cut down to, you know, yeah. 90 cents. I know I'm exaggerating, but yeah, but they yeah, get pa- it. yeah, patients get it. I always would say it was like, well, unfortunately the cost of <laughs> you know, if, if anybody ever wanted to talk about the finances of it, if I'm talking about a chiropractor, it's like the cost of living has gone up, cost of uh, running a business has gone up, but the, our actual reimbursement goes down. It's like the only thing on the planet where you can't actually adjust for inflation. It actually adjusts the opposite way for inflation. <laughs> you know, it's, it's really bizarre. And, and actually what's interesting is, um, so right, let me think here. So obviously I had a price change in, in 20, the beginning of 2019, when I converted to cash practice, um, I had another price change at the beginning of 2021. I didn't really want to rock the boat during 2020 for mm-hmm. obvious pandemic reasons. Um, but 2021, I'm like, all right, it's time. We're going to make a slight change to the fee schedule. And, and no one really, really said anything. It really didn't affect my volume at all. Um, but then in 2021, I mean, there was a lot of inflation that occurred yeah. and I, I had made this decision once I transitioned to cash practice that my prices were going to be based on, you know, cost of living, inflation, you know, real, real numbers, just like a real business. Right. And so I looked at, I'm like, man, I'm going to have to raise my prices again. And then as I did communicate that to patients, I, I quite literally just told them like, Hey, as you know, um, inflation is up six and a half percent so as of this day the the prices are going to go up six and a half percent and they all they're like oh yeah doc we know prices mm-hmm. up everywhere i'm like yep they are <laughs> yeah, and, that, and that was the discussion and, and it was over and we didn't lose any patients or have any mm-hmm. have any and that is a very freeing thing you know as a cash practice you're you're able to adjust your fees um to the economic climate and to, to real costs. Definitely. Definitely. Well, I really appreciate the information and your time today. Um, how can our audience reach out to you if they want to learn more about having a cash practice? For sure. Um, right now, probably the easiest way to get a hold of me is actually um, through, through Facebook, mm-hmm. Aaron Ducat, and I'm sure we can add, um, add some links and things here into the notes. Um, I do currently have a, uh, the people can still sign up for the beta launch of my cash practice. Perfect. Yeah. And I'll also put that in the show notes if you. Yeah. That. Yeah. So it's bit.ly slash cash practice beta launch, the Perfect. current URL. And um, so it's at a greatly discounted rate right now because it is a beta launch um, course. Uh, but what's great is I, I've ha- helped about 25 chiropractors through that course transition. And there's a lot of them that transitioned here. Mm-hmm. Um, the beginning of the year. So it's great to see those success stories coming through. And then we move closer into summer here. I am currently in the process of rebuilding the course, taking some of the feedback from the initial group of students, mm-hmm. building bigger and better um, to, to equip chiropractors to make that transition. Then of course, you know, January 1st of 2023. So if, if people connect with me, they'll, they'll get information about that and I can keep them tuned in for that information as well. All right. That sounds good. Thank you. Thank you. 
That is it for this week's episode. But before you leave, check us out at www.modernchiropracticmarketing.com for all kinds of free resources such as blogs and the podcast episodes. We've got online courses. You can check out the Chiropractic Success Academy there, which is an amazing online coaching system for you at a very affordable monthly rate. Uh, there's a free online course on the modernchiropracticmarketing.com website, so check that out. If you're interested in some one-on-one coaching, we can do that as well. We have all kinds of resources for you there, and we would also truly appreciate if you could rate and review this podcast if you're getting valuable information out of it. I can't thank you enough, and we'll see you next week.